millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Third Coast Podcast. I'm Katie Mingle. A couple quick things before we get into the show. We'd love for you to join us on October 7th in Chicago as we roll out the red carpet for the 2012 Third Coast Awards Ceremony and Champagne Reception. Be there as we celebrate the best radio makers of the year with our hosts, the Kitchen Sisters, live music, and so much more. Find more information and buy tickets at our website, thirdcoastfestival.org. Also, there's a free, yes, free radio festival in New York at Sarah Lawrence College that we at Third Coast Festival will play a small role in. It's on Saturday, September 22nd. And again, visit our website, thirdcoastfestival.org, for more details. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. In the morning, in any community, men, women, and children leave their homes. From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. They are on the move, and as they move, they do numerous things. I'm going to sell you the 80 and Ford. All right, and how many dollars? Let's go. I'm on a thousand where? Yeah, but a thousand, thousand, ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sounds, sound bites, and little parcels of audio we procure from all over the world. On the air, the internet... We listen to everything we can get our ears on and then bring you the best of what we hear each week. They work, they play, they study. I can die, I can die. I can die, 25, 84. And most important of all, they buy. We love to buy. Buy one bag, buy two bags. We love to sell. Goats for sale. One or a whole herd. We love the thrill of the hunt, joy of the kill and the sweet satisfaction of scratching that acquisitional itch. We're looking for a nice, comfortable uh, flat to wear with white pants, and mm-hmm. I think that's oh, that very, well. very Over 2,500 orders have already been placed, and remember... Whether thrifting, catalog browsing, shopping online, or haggling with street vendors... The exchange of goods is around us every day, all the time, all over the world. We just don't usually stop to think about it. The stock market has just closed, and there has been a massive sell-off. You'll also receive the squirt bottle and the super chamois absolutely free. Today on ReSound, selling, swapping, buying, and trading. Stay tuned. I have the perfect necklace to match your dress, and you have a pretty smile. Speaking of the thrill of the hunt... Anyone who works with me can tell you I am often given to bouts of internet real estate trolling. Cue fantasy music. I love to imagine that I have the money to buy a piece of land. In the forest, on the lake, view of the sunrise or sunset, and lots of peace and quiet. It doesn't have to be big. You know, small is fine. Maybe even really small. Teeny tiny. But maybe not quite this small. 395 will get you a square inch in any state you choose. If you want to go for a big bucks, 1995 starting at, you can get square inches of land in all 50 states. This is Scott Moger speaking from some of the finest square inches of land in his native New York, Central Park. Moger's the founder of Own a Piece of America, a company that allows anyone with $3.95 jingling around in their pocket to become a real, honest-to-goodness landowner. Not that there aren't some rules. The deed spells it out quite clearly that you can't make any profit from your one square inch, and uh, you can't build on your land, you can't live on your land, you can't retire on your land. It was actually retirement that kick-started this whole business. When Moger's parents retired to Florida, he cleaned out their apartment. My mother and father threw out all my baseball cards, 
But I did find something that I had when I was uh, 10, 11 years old. It was a deed to the Yukon. And that's a very interesting story. Actually, it is. See, in the 50s, when Moger was 10, 11 years old, there was this radio show, Sergeant Preston of the Yukon. Sergeant Preston was typical of the small band of Northwest Mounted Police who preserved law and order in the Yukon during the gold rush of 98. But in spite of the odds against them, the challenge of the North was answered, and justice ruled triumphant. It was sponsored by Quaker Oats, and in 1954, Sergeant Preston was about to make his big jump from radio to TV. But the show's ratings were dropping, as were Quaker's sales. That's when they launched what Moger considers one of the greatest sales promotions ever. They acquired land in the Yukon, and they offered a deed to the Yukon, a square inch of land, in every cereal box. And Moger unearthed his original 1954 deed back in 81, when he was cleaning out his parents' apartment. And that was my aha moment. I said, what else can I do similar but better? Up till then, Moger had actually been in the movie business, marketing big blockbusters for Columbia Pictures. But he was so excited about this new endeavor that he put his film career to the side and started writing letters to brokers and real estate agents nationwide asking to buy an acre of land. He started with Alaska. And it was an acre in Chitina. That's uh, Chitina at mile 34 of the Edgerton Highway. And that cost $3,500. And I soon realized I couldn't buy 50 acres across the country at that money. So I did revise my letter and made sure they know that I wanted to pay $100, $200, wherever the acre might be. Now, an acre of land contains about 6.3 million square inches, or as Scott Moger knows all too well. Exactly, 6.272, million square inches. So you do the math. At 395 a square inch, even with that 50 states for a 1995 deal, that could lead to a lot of bucks. And yet Moger says this is the first year he's pulling a profit. He's got a website to maintain, a four-person staff to pay, deeds to frame or mount on plaques, depending on the buyer's preference, plus the biggest expense of all. Yes, we pay all the taxes. We do all the work for them. And just sit back, have fun, and tell everybody, I own a land in Alaska. Which, to be honest, sounded too good to be true when I first found Moger's company on the web. But if you do your homework, you'll see that he is listed as a landowner in the Valdez and Chitna recorder's office. And he received approval from the SEC as a novelty item, which is just fine with him. If by now you haven't figured out a square inch is just for fun, just for daydreaming, just to say I own land in Hawaii as an example because that's where you want to retire, you want to live there someday, or in Alaska as it is many people's fantasies to own land or go to Alaska. And in fact, Alaska is the fifth highest seller, right behind Florida. But if sales keep up, Moger predicts the last frontier will inch past the Sunshine State soon. Selling the U.S. One Inch at a Time was produced by Rebecca Shear and originally aired on Alaska Public Radio. Get a bag, 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 let's go. About 40 years in the bag there. You buy to buy the bag. What do you get, four down much? You get $2 a bag. $2, Get a bag, 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 let's go. Buy one bag, Anyone who has ever sold so much as a glass of lemonade for a quarter can tell you that the art of the pitch is a make-it-or-break-it kind of talent. Some people are natural salesmen and women. For the rest of us, there is a place where, if you want to sell lots of stuff to lots of people really, really fast, you can learn how. Last summer, I got to do something I've always wanted to do. I went to auctioneer school. One dollar bid now, two now, two, will you give me two? My name's Ned Sublett, and for the next half hour, I'd like to invite you to be a fly on the wall with me at the Missouri Auction School in Kansas City, where for $425 and two weeks of your time, they'll make an auctioneer out of you. $3 now, $4. $3 now, $4. Okay, let's try it again. 
restaurant equipment fixture person there in town bought them and of course took them all and now this same guy comes to my auctions and doesn't buy anything that makes me feel good i know that it's bringing pretty good or he'd, he'd be a bidder but this guy's auction you know he was just there and didn't you know really care he was more interested in having a big fancy loud chant having his ringman yipping and yapping putting on a big show he was too concerned with himself to sell anything my name is ned Sutter from new york city and we're going to sell choice on these hog oilers all right, who'll start me out? Would it start me out on 100? Would it give 100? Who'll give me 100? Who'll make it 100? Well, 50 then. Who'll give me 50? Yep. 50, now 75. Who'll give me 75? Okay, he's in at 50. Look at that. You're right. 50, now 75, 75. Would it give me 75? $50 bid, now 75. 75. Would it give me 75? Yep. 75, now 100. 75 dollar bid, now 100. Now 100. Would it give 100? 75 dollar okay, bid. Okay. If you'll say, if you say $75 bid, now 100, now 100, will you give me 100? $75 bid, now 100, now 100, will you give me 100? $75 bid, now 100, now 100, will you give me 100? 100 gets old, okay? So do this, say, $75 bid, now 100, now 100, will you give me 100, okay? Instead of 100, say 100 on the end. Now say 100 up front, say, $75 bid, now 100, now 100, will you give me 100? $75 bid, now 100. $75 bid now 100 now 100 $75 bid now 100 now 100 will you give me 100 that 100 adds a little spark to it and that gets monotonous okay so say so $75 bid now 100 now 100 will you give me 100 $75 bid now 100 now 100 will you give me 100 $75 bid now 100 now 100 will you give me 100 $75 bid now 100 now 100 will you give me 100 I'm at that one one dollar one 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 here down quarter one quarter 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 one 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 quarter one quarter one a half one a half one a half 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 one a half seventy five I have one and a half one seventy five bid it at two 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 a quarter 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 two and a half two and a half and seventy five See, but you, you can always, if you've got your very basic, you can always go back. What, two and a half, 75, 75, three, three, three and a quarter. I'm bid three, three and a quarter, quarter, here and a half, three and a half, 50, 75, four, four, four and a quarter, 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 four and a half, four and a half and 75. Bed and butter, bought some butter, but she said there's butter bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. So she bought a bit of better butter, put it in her bitter batter, made her bitter batter better. So just better, Betty butter, bought a bit of better butter. Now the quarter drill. One, 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 a quarter, one, a quarter, one, a half, one, a half, seventy-five, seventy-five, two, two, two and a quarter, two and a quarter, two and a half, two and a half, seventy-five, seventy-five, three, three, three and a quarter, three and a quarter, three and a half, three and a half, seventy-five, seventy-five. Okay. When I was back in high school, they always have these career days and stuff like that. You know, a doctor will come in or, or a lawyer or a real estate man will come in. I thought, I've always wanted to be an auctioneer, but i just always been told unless you grew up in it and had great connections, the chances of you getting to be an auctioneer just be pretty crappy. I, I guess I really got big interested in it my freshman year in college. I really, I just didn't like school my, when I first went off. I just decided one day I had a friend come down to visit me from Sulphur Springs and I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm going to go out and try to find that Leroy Van Dyke tape. I just, I just made up my mind, well, I'm going to go try to find that tape, and I'm just going to start trying to work on being a little auctioneer. So I went out, and I spent all the one, after, one Saturday afternoon looking through Walmarts and everything else and those old tape racks for the, like the three ninety nine specials and two ninety nine stuff with Slim Whitman here and everybody else there. So I looked long enough, and I finally found it on the back of this tape with about, you know, 20 songs on it. I finally found it, the auctioneer song. There was a boy in Arkansas who wouldn't listen to his ma when she told him that he should go to school. He'd sneak away in the afternoon, take a little walk, then pretty soon you'd find him at the local auction barn. He'd stand and listen carefully, then pretty soon he began to see how the auctioneer could talk so rapidly. He said, oh my, it's do or die, I've got to learn that auction cry, gotta make my mark and be an auctioneer. $25 bid and now $30, $30, will they give me $30, make it $30, bid it mama, $30, will they give me $30? And I got to thinking, I go, you know, I can break this down and I, I can learn this. So when my parents were down that weekend, I, I kind of got in there and kind of sang them a little rough version of the song. And, and I guess that's really when I really got a fire in me about auctioneering. Because my dad said, "Oh, that you know, that's good." He goes, "You can, 
you know, you can lip sync to that sometime and, and do do real good. That'd make a real good little skit for you to do sometime. You'd really like to do skits. And of course, I got so hacked off because I thought, oh God, if he doesn't think that I can do this. Boy, I said, well, I'm going to learn it do or die now. All right, here we go, and who'll give a thousand dollars for? I'm a three hundred dude now for a three hundred dude now four hundred dollar bill did a bump four hundred dude now five hundred dollar bill did a bump four net for you now five a four net for you now five hundred dollar bill now have now have hundred now six now six hundred dude now quarter a six hundred dude now quarter now have now have a dollar bill did a bump seventy five seventy five eighty five eighty five for you now seven hundred dollars on I'm a six eighty five for you now seven now seven hundred dude now ten a seven hundred dude now ten now twenty five twenty five for you now thirty five thirty five for you now fifty a seven thirty five for you now fifty are you done but seven thirty five for you now fifty I sold it to you seven hundred thirty five dollars thank you. How many of you that are here that someone back home, someone else in the auction business said, look, Charlie, you go to auction school, and when you get home, I'm going to help you all you need help, okay? Anybody in here like that? Okay. What I'm going to tell you is you be very careful when you get back home, okay? We are arming you with a nuclear warhead in two weeks. And these same people that told you that will probably, probably consider you the enemy, because now you can do what they can do. You may not do it as good as they can do it, but probably you can do it better than they can do it. Because you know what they're doing? And here you go, 35 and I'm 40, and them people out there in the crowd says, boy, listen to that old boy go. You know? They don't want to hear this. That's bad. So when you crawl up on that auction block of that auctioneer that invites you to get up there, don't you blow his socks off. You just get up there and approach it pretty keenly, okay? You'll make two trips to the auction block in one trip, your first and your last. If you get up there and try to blow the owner of an auction away because you are going to show him you're better than he is now. I'm not telling you to be bad. I'm telling you to be smart, okay? Use your brain. Now, first of all, you got to realize the reason they want you there is because they need to use the restroom, okay? Now, let's be truthful. The only reason you're going to get up there is because they need to go to the bathroom. They're hurting at this point, but you're the only candidate out there, okay? And there you are, standing over there, just chomping at the bits, wanting to get that mic in your hand to show all the home folks, and you get up there, and he gets down, and you're up there doing this, and no one has introduced you or nothing. The first thing you do is say, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Neil Davis, and I'd like to tell you about old John here. John is one of my favorite auctioneers. He's helped me a lot. He was part of the reason I went to auction school. Now, John's going toward the bathroom, and his old knees go like that. Because John's got to turn around and come back. He can't let you die at this point. Now, you've associated yourself with John, so John's going to turn around. He will come back. John will even probably set in the first two or three items for you so that you'll do well. Okay? John's not going to let you fall on your face. John is in trouble at this point. Now, he's going to have to hold it just a bit longer. And I think that you need to be smart enough that as soon as John puts you up there and does not introduce you, you lay it on him. 
When I started in the auction business, I sold a little bit of everything. I sold automobiles two days a week. I sold registered horse auctions. I sold purebred cattle auctions, liquidations, uh, consignment auctions. I sold about 250 auctions a year just to anything and everything that people wanted to sell. And then as time went on and I got uh, uh, a couple of more bucks together, why well, I started eliminating the auctions that I didn't like. And the ones that I frankly didn't like were the car auctions. That was the one that I liked the least because back in those days, they didn't have the ventilation system and the old Smokies come in there and they couldn't shut them off and you'd go home at night with a sick headache from breathing all that carbon monoxide. And I, uh, that was the first one I quit. I was after I got to where I could start eliminating. And then I specialized strictly for years in just selling purebred cattle. <laughs> It's a man's world, ladies. It really is, and it's going to be tough. It's tough for me still. It really is. It's a hard work, and especially if, if you're interested in going into any kind of livestock. Uh, it's, a, it's a very hard uh, job to be into because you're working mainly with the men. And uh, it's not that I can't get along with them. It's just we don't always agree. Some of the most fabulous things are going on in this business, uh, and especially when we talk about artificial insemination and all, because today we're selling semen from bulls that have been dead for 20 years. I sold some semen from a bull that's been, it cost $2 when he was alive, $2 an ampule. It's now bringing $1,000 an ampule, because he didn't prove to be great until he was dead, and then after he was dead, everybody that had daughters of him, they suddenly came to the front and they were very, very popular and won all the shows and, and so on. And so that $2 semen went to $1,000. And uh, this is hard to believe, but one particular bull today, there's eight ampules of semen left in the world. He's been dead for years and years. But if you can talk him out of one of those ampules of semen, it's $200,000. It's only $25 when he was alive. And so we're selling fertilized eggs now too. See, you can freeze that semen and keep it indefinitely. We don't have any idea how long, because some of that 20-year-old semen's still good, frozen at 320 below zero. And uh, we're selling fertilized eggs now. Super ovulate a cow, give her an injection to make her lay a cluster of eggs, breed her artificially, extract those eggs, and freeze them. And then when you want some more calves out of that cow, you thaw the egg out, transplant it in a donor cow, and let her go ahead and give her <laughs> that I superovulated out here just a year or so ago, we got 76 eggs out of her in one heat period. 36 good eggs, fertile eggs, that could be transplanted. Well, she couldn't live long enough to have 36 calves, yet she could produce 36 off of just one cycle. Super I have another cow that uh, has 100 calves, already has 100 calves, because she's been superovulated a number of times. And we sell these eggs at some of these auctions now, these fertile eggs bringing 5,000 bucks a piece. So it's a fabulous deal.
right, I'm up in northern Iowa here selling out a little general store now. We uh, got our topper set right up on Main Street. The mayor said just go ahead and block the street off, and that's what we did. And rural economy has taken a real shot in our area. Uh, these little towns are, are dwindling and dying, and you hate to go in there and sell out really the backbone of the whole community is exactly what I did here. We sold out the hardware store, the implement, or the, uh, the appliance, the grocery, dry goods, all in one. He had one store there. It was a general store. And behind it, he had the locker plant, egg handling business, everything. We liquidated the whole thing in two day, in a two-day run. And I just showed you another shot in the front of the topper, how we sell out of the topper there. And, and um, there's my guys working the ring. It's an autumn day, kind of cool, windy, but uh, we had a big crowd out. There's what you like to see. You see that buyer's number way up in the air there. He's giving me a good, strong bid there, and I got him right in. We sold this store. It took us two days to do it, liquidating everything. Refrigerators, freezers, washers, dryers, paint, hard, uh, all the hardware, dry goods, etc., etc. He had a basement full of antiques, old antique items that brought tremendous money, old advertising pieces. The property, however, that we sold, his brick building that you saw there, the building that adjoined it that he had his appliance store in, the locker plant, which the whole town used, rented their lockers for freezer space, plus his egg handling facility and egg buying station in the back. We sold the real estate at auction that day, too. I had one bid on that property for $5,000, and that was it. So that's how tough times are, and I don't have to tell some of you folks that. You know that because you come from small communities. Houses in this little town here uh, that would be a in Des Moines would be a $40,000 home. We'll sell there for $1,500. So uh, it's, just, it's just tough out there. But the products themselves, people still have to eat. They still have to clothe themselves. They still have to wash and dry. And they need irons and they need, uh, they need uh, tool sets. So that kind of thing still sells relatively well out in rural America. But this real estate in these small towns is murderously hard to sell. Sometimes if the first person who may know that the farmer is going to quit this fall is like the co-op diesel fuel delivery guy. He may be driving out there right now this week and going to top off the two big tanks. Whenever he's in that area of the county, they always stop in and, and top off all the tanks, of course. And so as he's driving in the lane, the farmer flags him down and says, hey, just fill the 500-gallon tank, leave the 1,000-gallon tank because, uh, you know, all I need is enough diesel fuel to get through harvest this fall. Going to be lining up the machinery after the first of the year. He hasn't told anybody, but he told that truck driver this morning, see. Okay, you need that truck driver to be able to give you a call this evening, let you know that, that Farmer Jones out here was going to, uh, was going to sell out, and, and he said, don't fill out the two big tanks. Then it's pretty easy to stop in, and if he happens to be in and around the, the farmstead there somewhere, then you can introduce yourself, and you say you're out in the community and work in this area and solicit an auction sales and wonder if you happen to know of anybody that's thinking about quitting. See, and, and you can leave it up to him to expose as much as he wants to. If he's tight-lipped about it, then, hey, you don't want to bring it up either. Fair enough. And so you just got to handle it with kid gloves. What were you running, and how has it changed? Grain and livestock. And we're still in the grain, and we're not right now in the livestock, but we are getting back into the livestock. So it really hasn't changed. We've just changed our uh, way of doing things. We've reduced our equipment and are starting back up the ladder again, is what you would say, really and we're just working back to where we were. What happened to force you out of the livestock business? Well, whenever you get in financial trouble in our business, the livestock goes first. To reduce your assets, they take your livestock away to try to help help make payments on the equipment. Because we wow. had a couple dry years in a row, mm -hmm. and that just keeps piling up and piling up. And so you sell the livestock, to reduce that, that's the first thing to go. Kept all the land, kept some of the stuff around, and sold all the livestock. How was the sale billed? Was it billed as a bank sale or as your sale or? No, just a public sale. It wasn't a closeout sale. It wasn't a bankruptcy sale. It was just a regular farm sale to reduce, to change, as they put it now, to change your farming operation. What it is is sell your stuff off so you can pay your debts and go on. What was it like getting ready for that? It was terror. It I mean, was a lot of distress on everybody. We worked a month before the sale and it was a full month. We cleaned all the machinery up, did all needed repairs, not many. We made sure everything looked brand new. Everything was looking brand new and we sold it. It would have been representable if we wouldn't have cleaned it up, but that's not the way we operate. 
How did your dad handle it? Was he embarrassed? We uh, handled it the best we could. And sure, somebody's going to feel embarrassed. But it was nothing new. Everybody was having trouble and realized it. And he's a, he gets along with everyone in the community. He just kind of kept to himself. We just kind of kept to ourselves and did what we had to do. How did you find an auctioneer? Uh, my grandpa's an auctioneer. We offered him the job, and he didn't want the responsibility and the worry that things wouldn't bring. And so he mentioned two buddies of his that he thought were real respectable auctioneers, and we called them up, and they come right over. Real nice guys. Now, you're, you're here going to auctioneer school. Your grandpa was an auctioneer. How would you handle a forced sale if you had to do one when you got home? Well, to the best I can. I, I can sympathize with the people, and they know it, because if I get the sale, it'll be around home anyway, and they'll probably have known that we had a sale, and I'll handle it to the best I can without any pain to them. Dick DeWeese will hand you your diploma. When you get your diploma, make sure that it's correct. If they misspelled your name or anything, or you got the wrong diploma, well, we want to get it straightened out. Just to light up. Here we go. Here we go. Colonel Scott Boyer. Colonel David Brown. This program was recorded at the Missouri Auction School in Kansas City. It was edited at Harvestworks in New York Colonel City William and produced Thompson. by Colonel Ned Sublet. Colonel Ned Sublet. And if you need an auctioneer, give me a call. Nice having you with us. Thank you. The Auctioneer was produced by musicologist Ned Sublett. It was commissioned by New American Radio in 1989. For 10 years, New American Radio was a weekly national series that commissioned and distributed over 300 original works. For a link to their archive, containing hundreds of interesting, artsy, and experimental works, visit our website at thirdcoastfestival.org. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to ReSound from the Third Coast Festival. I'm Gwen Maxi. Let's exchange something. Say, for instance, an email. You send, we answer. Questions, comments, rants, and raves can be sent to ReSound at thirdcoastfestival.org. The real center of exchange in this country, on the grandest scale, would have to be the Mercantile Exchange in New York, a place where commodity prices are set and reset every minute. And deals have traditionally been made by a crazy cacophony of screaming voices and flailing arms referred to as open outcry trading. In the last 10 years or so, the Mercantile Exchange has gone quiet. The screaming traders of yore now mostly replaced by computers. Luckily for us, the sound of open outcry trading was captured by media artist Ben Rubin when, in 2002, he used it in a sound installation that he did for the reopening of the Winter Garden, a vast indoor atrium space near Ground Zero that was destroyed in the 9-11 attacks. We talked with Ben about the project and had him set the scene. The New York Mercantile Exchange, it's where the price of you know, barrels of oil when you hear uh, the price of, uh, of oil has risen to $110 a barrel today. Uh, that price is established in the pit of the, the oil section of the uh, mercantile exchange. And so 
What you have there is a, a very, very large room, football field size room with one central trading pit. And this pit is a, it, it's a giant circle that has steps going down into a central floor. And the traders stand on those steps. So the, it's sort of like standing room bleachers or something. And they are all, during the trading day, they are just shouting at each other, just sort of climbing up on each other's shoulders practically, waving their arms and, and, and screaming at the top of their lungs and trying to attract each other's attention and, uh, and actually close deals. As they close these deals, that is effectively setting the price. I have a friend who used to work at the Mercantile Exchange. He worked upstairs in the offices. At that time, my friend was actually working on a project to automate the trading of the Mercantile Exchange. And in fact, today, I believe there is no longer any open outcry trading on the floor as there was at that time. And so I knew that the days of this this sound were numbered and once it was over it would be over and no one would ever hear this again. I'm really glad now that the document of it, this particular document exists. Um, I mean, it, you know, it's been documented in other ways, but um, I don't know that anyone's ever sort of gone in depth thinking about the sound and now that sound is gone. That was media artist Ben Rubin. Now let's hear his piece open outcry. Sometimes I say to people, didn't you hear me bidding? And I know if they say, I didn't hear you, I know they're not telling me the truth. Because people always hear my voice. It's, it's unique and it's a strong voice too. If I'm selling Octobers, you know, you don't say, you, you say Ock. And you don't say the full handle, you'll say like Ock at 10. So I just yell out, Ock at 10! Ock 70 bid! Bye, bye, 25! So 25, Ock 75 bid at 78. Six bid! Six bid! Seven bid, Ock 7 bid! 7 bid! Ock at 9! Ock at 9! 25! You're not listening to one person at a time, you're hearing everybody speak at the same time. It's like going to a symphony and hearing every piece of the orchestra, but yet hearing the music at the same time. And in, and in the midst of that, you may observe, for instance, a broker that you've traded with for years. You know what his face looks like when he's laughing. You know what his face looks like when he's upset about something at home and suddenly he's got a nervous look. You can tell when somebody's bluffing, when somebody's not bluffing, and this is, these are all skills that are you know, learned over time. It's really an internal gut feeling, and as far as just seeing the expression on somebody's face, the way that somebody's breathing, the way that somebody's leaning on someone else. Uh, I always knew when the guy behind me had a real order, because when he had a big, big order, he used to take my shoulder and shove it to the ground trying to hold himself up. He's two bit. He's two bit at two. He's two bit at two. So 50, these are two. Two 
orange juice, cotton. Gasoline, natural gas. Crude oil, natural gas. Well, I've been in the ring 32 years. How do I sound? You know, uh, the open outcry system, which is probably with, with me, some people may look as an antiquated system, it's probably the most sophisticated, timely system uh, that's in existence today. If you believe in, if you believe in a you know, marketplace, this is as pure a form as it gets. If everybody's buying, it's going to be tougher to buy, right? Simple as that. Just because you want to sell it at $29.55 and you're offering $29.55, the guy next to you could be selling it, the guy in front of you could be selling it, the guy behind you could be selling it, and you might not have sold anything. Volatility makes money. War creates turmoil. Turmoil creates opportunity. I'm not suggesting that people want terrible outcomes, but I am suggesting that a lot of people depend on them. It's all 50. The Tempest Flare is a lot of money flying around moment to moment, you know, and um, there's a classic story. Actually, it's about my father. And there was a time in Silver when uh, he got into an argument with somebody and he had their neck down against the rail. And a guy looked at him and he says, Marty, even though that, you know, you're chairman of the floor committee, I'm going to have to fine you 500 bucks for this. And so he looks at the guy, he, puts, he, he keeps one hand on the guy's neck, takes the other hand in his pocket, throws down 1000 bucks, and says, double it because I'm going to finish him off. You know, two minutes later, they're out having a cup of coffee together. Aluminum up. Orange juice up. Platinum down. There were members in good standing that had been on the trading floor the day before September 11th that we would never see again. And I think people were very, very aware of their absence. In fact, the first trading day, for at least the first trading day, some of their positions in the pit were sort of silhouetted by their, the outline of their footprints and people wouldn't step into those spots. Open Outcry, produced by Ben Rubin, won the Best Documentary Honorable Mention Award in the 2003 Third Coast Richard H. Greehouse Foundation competition. This particular piece of money is just starting in circulation. What will happen to it? What will it be used for? Swap shop, hello? Hello. Hey. Yes, I'd like to put on a little rat terrier four-month-old pup with papers on their swapping shop today. This is one of the most common ways in which we all use money, as a medium of exchange for goods. The New York Stock Exchange is one kind of marketplace. Loud, chaotic, crowded, and extremely fast-paced. At the other end of the spectrum is a marketplace with a slower rhythm. Quiet, simple, one person at a time. It's not a store exactly, but it is a place where you can get almost anything. It's called the Swap Shop from WENKWTPR in Northwest Tennessee. 
Dan Collison and Elizabeth Meister bring us this portrait of the swap shop, including original music composed by Kurt Wagner of the band Lamb Chop. WTPR Paris. WTPR FM McKinnon Paris Landing. It's 12 noon and time now to swap and shop. The swap shop. I am uh, Terry Haley. I've been hosting the swap shop for 25 years, something like that, and I've been the mayor of town for uh, 18 years. Swap shop is a community service program brought to you every day, Monday through Friday. By your friends at Hills Hardware. The format of the show uh, is pretty simple. We uh, take items that people mail us. We take items that are emailed. Take telephone calls live on the air. Swap shop, hello. Hello. Hey. Yes, I'd like to put on a little rat terrier four-month-old pup with papers on their swapping shop today. I've still got one to them little Boston terrier pups. All right. He's a male. And his feet's never been on the ground. We have goats for sale. Goats for sale. One or a whole herd. It's been going since 1946. Um, I guess it's just as popular today as it ever was. A lot of people, back when I was growing up, maybe you were uh, picking cotton or maybe you were uh, working in the field or doing something, you'd come to the house at noon to eat and the swap shop would be on. I'd like to buy a good used paperback living Bible And I've got some things That I'd like to put on out there Like a pony cart in an old bird bath A kitchen safe in a rocking chair You can turn me on any day at noon. Pretty much all of our listening area is basically rural and farm. Swap shop, hello? Yeah, this is uh, Bobby State. I'd like to put a 1950 8 in 4 tractor on swap shop, please. Would like to buy a horse watering trough. Must be concrete with no cracks in it. I think in a rural setting that people still have a lot of those core values uh, that made uh, the country as strong as it is and uh, one of those core values of course is uh, to conserve and to buy only the things they need and try to repair what they have. Swap shop, hello? Yes sir, I'd like to buy an RCA 27 inch color TV non-working. I need the parts. Yeah, I'd like to put on a four month old rat terrier pup. I think he's a male And he's marked up pretty in everything This woman's got some goats But his feet's never been on the ground You can just buy one Or you can have the whole herd would like to buy a good used paperback living Bible for a UTM student. When things take a turn for the worst in the economy, your swap shop heats up. I have an old, it's a child's old rocking horse for sale and a tabletop pinball machine with lights and noise and everything. Mm-hmm. Both of them for $10. People are selling things more in earnest. I still have a child's rocking horse for $5. Not a thing in the world wrong with it, just don't want it. Swap and shop, hello. Oh, hello. Hey. I've got some things I want to put on. Well, let's do it. Pony cart. Hello, you're on the okay. air. Hello. Hey. I've got a, a big bunch. <laughs> i got a pony cart. I really don't know anything about her other than she calls a whole lot. and I know that sometimes she's a little bit difficult to understand what she's saying. I want to put on an old wash thing and bow. And one old But I try my best to strain to understand it and repeat it. A washstand and bowl and a rocking chair. And a pony cart. A pony cart. Uh-huh. And a mule mower. A mule mower. Uh-huh. That's a mower that a mule pulls. An old kettle. An old kettle. One bird bath. That's a bird bath. Old kitchen safe. An old kitchen safe? Well, down here in the south, it could be like a pie safe. That would be sort of like a cabinet in which uh, people used to bake pies, and they'd set them over there in the pie safe. And my number is 886 Well, that's not enough numbers. 886-645. Uh-huh. 
866-566-5645. Well, now that's too many numbers. <laughs> okay, now let's start again. 866 Size 8 prong pageant dress And it's icy blue With sequins worn just once And a pageant prom dress slit above the knee You got it And daily there's an old drive shaft In the same Berkeley recliner It's green in its cloth And it's been used very little Yes, I have a Berkline Rocker recliner for sale. We have this lady in Perrier, Tennessee, which is over near Paris. So she's been trying to sell a Berkline recliner on there since Christmas. She bought it, said she paid too much, she'd to have her money back. It's been used very, very little. It's green and it's cloth with a little bit of tweed color in it. Swap shop, hello. Oh, Well, hello there. We have a guy that calls just about every day, and he's got an old drive shaft from an old Chevrolet. Well, still got the 72 El Camino drive shaft. You know, I try to get people to buy the drive shaft and the Berkline recliner. Because you might take some of the proceeds that you get from that, and we'll buy that Berkline recliner over at Purrier. Well, you have to go in with me. I don't know how we'd split it. <laughs> Here's a Thomasville maple dining table that uh, sets up to 14 with six chairs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As they just sit on top of each other. Hooker Entertainment, $600. <laughs> Yeah, that's depending, I guess, pretty cheap, huh? or maybe it's expensive. I don't know. I haven't done that lately. It's actually a hooker entertainment center. Swapping chops, hello? Well, I figured out where the two other people would have to sit at the table. If there's six, everybody's going to have one in their lap, and then I guess two are on the table. That's the hooker entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me this. Is that a good price, or a ch- is, it, is that high? Yeah, boy, I tell you. But I've got a 1955 <laughs> Chevrolet pickup truck flatbed, three-quarter ton. Public service uh, programs like this day. that involve folks are really important for the local community. I think it's going to be even more important to us in the broadcasting business, particularly, you know, with your clear channels and your, your satellite radios. And certainly it behooves a station like us or anybody else to be as local as they possibly can be because that, in the end, is really all you've got. And that's going to wrap it up for the Swapping and Shopping today because we've run out of time. Join us tomorrow for another edition of the Swap Shop. Guess I'd like to sell a good used paperback living Bible. The Swap Shop was produced by Dan Collison and Elizabeth Meister as part of the Heartland Chronicles from Long Haul Productions. The music you heard was called Paperback Bible and was written and sung by Nashville-based musician Kurt Wagner of the band Lamb Chop. You can still tune into The Swap Shop now in its 65th year. For a lovelier complexion, you must use palm olive soap the way doctors advise. You really ought to be buying rich gold and Velveeta in the two-pound size. When you're driving in a car or you're on a hike... Take good, carry yourself, smoke a lucky stride. If I may have my say, please do, don't delay, what's new, start today. I've got those no Monday down blues, don't own my coat, my hat or shoes. But nothing down was easy Till the payments began to squeeze me No money down ReSound is a production of the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Katie Mingle and curated by Johanna Zorn and Julie Shapiro of the Third Coast Festival. ReSound's intern is Lily Bowie. You can hear today's program at thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear hundreds of outstanding documentaries from around the world. And subscribe to our podcast. Support for ReSound comes from Dojo, a full-service digital agency. On the web at doejo.com. Dojo, 
we fuel ideas that grow. The Third Coast Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Boeing Company Charitable Trust, the Agadino Foundation, and the Menaki Foundation. This program is partially supported by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council, a state agency. Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. The Third Coast Festival was founded in 2000 by WBEZ Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Resound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else. Product may not be exactly as shown. Offers object to change without notice. Hosts sold separately. Some assembly required. Menu arrays supply after promotional period. Cancellation fees apply. Not valid in combination with other offers. One item per customer only. With 24 month commitment only. With valid coupon only. While supplies last only. Offer only valid on Wednesdays. Additional charges may apply. Shipping and handling. You've been listening to the Third Coast Podcast. Stay connected with us through Facebook and Twitter, or by signing up for our email list at thirdcoastfestival.org. If you like what you heard today, consider writing us a review on iTunes or sending us a few bucks. As always, thanks for listening.